So there's a documentary on you this year. Tell me about that. It's been very well received. It's called uh, Robert Klein Still Can't Stop His Leg. <laughs> and the best part of it, I think, is uh, one of the great parts of it is, is uh, if we may call you all talking heads, but you're the creme de la creme. I have Steinberg and, and John Stewart and, uh, and Leno. And, yes. and, and, uh, and he got this Marshall Fine is a film critic. He got the talking heads first. Uh -huh. And then I thought, my goodness, is saying such rather uh, deep yeah. things about how I influence their work. Yeah. Uh, I better have the material to back it up. And it shows me as living as an old Jew in Briarcliff Manor, <laughs> uh, shopping that. at the Stop and Shop. <laughs> and, and uh, you know, but I, I'm uh, sinking into it nicely. But I work. I do work. But, but you have a son who is now, Ali, who is now <laughs> you know, uh, moving into stand-up comedy. He's, he's, a funny, he's a funny guy. He's a bright guy. He's handsome. Yeah. I think he could be a, a success as a comedian and an actor. Uh, he's keeping me at arm's distance. He worked for a nonprofit for about eight years after the University of Vermont. Anyway, he decided at the age of 31 last year to go into it. And, you know, I feel for him because he's really paying dues. He didn't tell anybody for a long time. No, because, he, because of the self-consciousness of, uh, you know, his iconic dad, which is you. So he didn't want people to think he was just riding it on your coattails. And he's the kind of kid that you, when you meet him, you know, he would never be doing it. Yeah, I probably underestimated that part. Yeah. You know what I mean? I have, a, I have had a nice career. I'm working. But uh, it is tough because yeah. I, I established myself, and, of course, he's starting out from scratch. But the whole system has changed. I'm not sure if it's easier or harder, but when I started, when you started, there was no such thing as stand-up comedians, so-called, as, no. as profession. Like, how do you get to be a stand-up comedian? Yes, and, and the respect that they have. Oh. It was embarrassing to say you were a stand-up comedian yeah, when mean, we were, were starting out. You know, what we call improvisation, Jonathan Winters was a master at. Yeah. They used to call it ad lib. Yes, right. We called it improvisation. Yeah. yeah, we elevated it by a word. But your, your skills were stand-up comedy, which you went to very, very quickly. And and I you were a, you're a much better stand-up comedian than I ever was. Did you go to the improv? Was that another place of yours as well? The improv. A guy named David Steinberg, you <laughs> yes, told me about the improv. I was in my first Broadway show, the first one I ever auditioned for. Mike Nichols. I don't remember that. Gave me the job. <laughs> Apple Tree. Mm -hmm. Alan Alda, Barbara Harris, who we both know from Second. I mean, you know, but. Um, I wanted to do stand-up, and there was a place down the street that you told me about, you actually did, that they have professionals go up, not just anyone like Ootenanny. Mm -hmm. Bud Friedman, who owned it, 44 the 19th, he wanted to know that if you're in a Broadway show, it put you on right away, mm -hmm. you know. So I went down there and did stand-up, and Alan Alda and, and uh, Larry Blyden and Barbara Harris all came to give me support, which was beautiful. And I killed him, you know? I mean, I right. just was terrific. And this guy comes over to me, dressed in a black suit and a red tie. He said, I'll tell you, man, you were fucking brilliant. And I'm a tough cocksucker. <laughs> but he said, you got to come here every night for three years. That's exactly what he said. 
And he was right. That was my college for comedy. It was a that, vibrant. That, that was Rodney Dangerfield, right? It was Rodney Before he had his own club, still at the, uh, at the improv. Before the club. This was in the fall of 66. He, he opened the club in 68. I lent him $5,000. We have to let the audience know about how we got together. We're both from Second City. And we were in Second City together. So we saw the same people before us. And then later on, we sort of forged our own. Are you kidding? I idolized them. I saw them on the David Susskind show. Alan Arkin, Barbara Harris, yeah. Paul Sand, yes. Mina Kolb. I said, boy, that's for me. Yes. Not dreaming that I'd wind up there. Then yeah. I get there, and you were the star of the place. And you were <laughs> the best I ever saw there. Uh, you were great. You. Then you went to London. Yes. Came back. And uh, you say in this movie, uh, we, were, we were like the Rolling Stones in Chicago. You had lived in Chicago sometime, out yes. of Canada, of course, yeah. Winnipeg. But to me, it was, it was a second city. It was like a miniature New York. And yeah. it was a wonderful, a great year that I, I spent there. I was hired with Fred Willard in 1965, in, in the March of 65. And you were the reigning star at Second City, <laughs> and you were something to see. <laughs> yeah. Something to see. There were many thousands that did see it, but you were the master of the universe there, and I had to learn. I must have been so delightful and easy to work with. You were not. You were <laughs> difficult and brilliant. But I got my chance when you went with a company to London. Yeah. And then Fred and I had a chance to blossom. But I learned a lot. I learned a lot from you. And... and uh, a sort of mastery of timing, because I had raw talent before I went there, was, was better tenfold than the Yale Drama School in terms of what I learned. Sure. It's just that, that being immersed. Every night, you're in front of an every audience. Every night, and yeah. improvising yeah. a lot of the right. time. And right. It was, it was just the greatest. Yeah, I don't remember you not being good at it from the first moment you were there. It was I rough. I, I had to be, and then we worked with Sheldon Patinkin, uh, and then, uh, fortunately, also with Paul Sills, who yeah. was the original director. And Paul was incredibly brilliant, but spoke a language I did not understand. Yeah. It was kind of a Talmudic Wisconsinian. <laughs> yes. He'd go, the thing with the thing and the thing. <laughs> yes. And you were the only person that understood it. <laughs> well, Fred it was... completely, you know, went his own yeah. way, and I was desperately trying to be liked by him and yeah. admired. Yeah. But describe my difficulty. I'm, I'm, I'm very open to that. I, I remember my being difficult to work with, but what, well, was, what, what did I do? Well, you, um, you know, I might, might be doing a scene and, this, and suddenly a figure in a black cape with a harpo horn goes behind you going, eh, eh. That may get attention away from, you know, the... Uh, you, you, you were a scene stealer, you were there, but you were also uh, the, the best at it. And uh, there was a certain drill instructor quality about my experience with you, learning the hard way. Yes. And, and I felt competitive when we were going to New York and I wanted to make, make sure I had as many scenes and all that. But I saw you in Warner Brothers many years later shooting baskets. <laughs> and we shook hands and yeah. showed pictures of our children, and, yeah. and that was it. Yeah, yeah, but... I, uh, you know, I, you're a great... Mind. And, and also this directing stuff. I don't know that I'd ever have the patience for that. You were very focused. But uh, the reason I've always said how valuable it was to me, more than the Yale Drama School, was every night we performed sketches 
with the lines set like a playwright's would mm-hmm. be. Mm-hmm. But then afterwards, we would take suggestions from the audience and improvise on them. So you had to have two hats. You had to be in a multiple performance show. And believe me, that's not easy. But bro, I would, I've been in two really big hits on Broadway, which I was with for a year. And it's tough to yeah. say the same thing again. Well, we were in our 20s when at Second City, you know? 23. Yeah. And that was, to me, just the most exciting, fun, amazing learning experience I've had up till that point in my life. And I think even till now, actually. Yeah. Yeah. I performed in Chicago, I don't know, last year, the year before. And I went to see Second City. And the quality of the improvising is yes. so high. Yes. They're all great. And that... Yes. They don't stay a couple of years like you, you actually had a, an encore there. Yeah, right. But I was very impatient after a while. Fred was a little bit impatient. Maybe you and I were more impatient. With yeah. the, the old man from William Morris would come and yes. Harry Kalsheim. Harry Kalsheim, he was yeah. on to Second City before he would anybody. Say, stay there, stay there. Yeah. You had been there longer. But yeah. Now, it's a coveted job in Chicago. Yes. I, I'm not mistaken. It's maybe yes. $900 a week. Or yes. so we got 100 and I got hundred. You deserved more. I don't know. If you're... <laughs> no, no. I, uh, I always was... I was so behind that they knew they could keep me there just because I was in debt to them for so much money. So let, d- describe yeah. that, the Second City feeling, because you had... Everyone has their own kind of thing to do. Yours was an attachment to music that no one had ever had before as a performer at Second City. So you connected with Bill Matthews, who was a genius himself in his own right. He was a wonderful character. And wonderful, yeah. He knew styles, and I was allowed to go free uh, and uh, take a suggestion and make up a song. See, the best thing about Second City was that they wanted you to play from the top of your intelligence. So you know all this music. Whether the audience knows it or not, doesn't matter. You make that part of your personality, and that's what everyone did at Second City. You were the king. I... You were the king. You were the king. You knew how to do it. You had total confidence. And somehow, Fred Willard, who was the first thing you and I completely agreed on. Yes, right. Uh, he could crack us up. Uh, and he then was, when we'd laugh, he'd yeah. say, you people are easily amused. You're <laughs> yes. easily amused, sir. Yes, yes. You know, that was his fear, and he said it in the movie, that Second City seemed inappropriate to him because he knew it as a kind of intellectual, yeah, political Yeah, sm- too ferment. smart for him, and he's very smart, of Well, yeah. he's very smart, but he's not. Yeah. Political, particularly. Yes, uh, you know, right. he's from suburban Cleveland. Yeah. He says something, boy, in that movie that's so interesting. He had a very difficult time with his stepfather, and he says he had an unhappy childhood. And he makes the comment that he, he actually looked up on there. He thought everyone did. Yes. Everyone had, and that's where comedy comes from. Sure. I had yeah. a father who was a clown. I mean, mm-hmm. he was a textile salesman, mm-hmm. hated his work. Mm-hmm. He read the Times cover to cover every day. He knew history. He was a liberal Democrat, but fu- everything was funny, funny, funny. Mm-hmm. But he he was demanding in a certain kind of way, and I believe I inherited a kind of melancholy from him. He was melancholy himself, or just the way he was created a melancholy. He point. no, 
I believe today he would be not clinically uh, but, depressed, but a, a, a bipolar person, right? Because he could be amazingly talk about improvisation. Yeah, we're listening to the radio at the very end of radio Sunday night. Jack Benny, we already had a TV, but yes. a, I would say. Uh, Dad, who, who, who made this radio? John Shabetsky. He's from Pennsylvania. And he, you know, <laughs> he knew that. He knew and he that. would make up songs, too, and rhymes. Let me ask you something. Don't you think, uh, I mean, there are certainly exceptions. Uh, Seinfeld, for example, yeah. they're kind of unneurotic as far as you can yes. tell. No, not neurotic in yeah. any way. I mean, there are a few guys. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, I wanted to get back to this story about Barbara Harris. Yes. It, it was uh, Apple Tree, my first Broadway show, Mike Nichols directing. It was Bach and Harnick. And three um, one acts. And the first act, the chorus of Five Boys, Five Girls. We, we were not in the first act. So we're upstairs, people playing cards or putting makeup on, and you just hear the squawk box. If this noise changes at a certain period in your evening, sitting in front of that dressing room mirror, you know it. And we all look at each other, there's something wrong, sound. We all run downstairs, and Jerry Adler, who at the time was the foremost stage manager yes. on Broadway, yes. now is a successful Civil, actor. Great character actor. Heshi in uh, The Sopranos. Yes. And he was uh, the uncle in Mad About You. Right. Yeah, he was great. He's, uh, you know. Yeah, and he was my stage manager when I was on Broadway for a couple of shows. So we see him in the wings, and there is Alan Alda with a panicked look on his face because Barbara, who was Eve, and he was Adam, Barbara, who had won the Tony the day before in that very theater, She's looking at the audience saying, hello, saying non sequiturs and irrelevant things. Not doing the play. Not doing the play. And poor Adam is standing there <laughs> wishing that he Something. wasn't in Eden. Yeah. And Jerry is, should I bring it down? And finally he gives a big signal to bring the curtain down. And wow. people start buzzing. And that, and that probably had never happened to her before on stage. At Second City... She was an amazing improviser. She was sexy, and she was honest, and she, was, she had, a, surprisingly, a lightness to her on stage. I oh, remember yeah. seeing her. Every, everyone was in love with her. Oh, yeah. Paul Sills Paul was Sills married, was to, married her. to her. Yeah, who was and the director. And then she was her. having an affair with Alan, and he yeah. knew, and it was all right. I heard yeah. this story. Paul was tough. Yeah. Um, starting a rehearsal, and she said, I'll be back in an hour. He says, where are you going to Barbara? She said, well, I have to sign the papers to finalize our divorce. He said, well, be back as soon as you can. Don't miss too much rehearsal. <laughs> that's a, some, that's the kind of directing I could never do. He but somehow you and he, I, yes. mean, I we, grant you, we, the guy started something big. <laughs> no. He was smart. Fred drove him crazy, which was hilarious. Yes. You seem to be right on the beam with him. Well, you know what? I, it wasn't like I played the games well. It wasn't like I did the, his mother's version of what uh, improvisation was, Viola Spolin's I didn't do that, but he sensed that I was comfortable there in a way that no one else was. I think that. And he used to use me as an example, you know. Yeah, you could do all this stuff, and it was all his stuff. All the stuff, yeah, but look at everyone's listening to Steinberg. Well, I was learning, because yeah. the basic premise of it, which Fred never paid any attention to and was <laughs> just as pretty, that's what made him crazy because Fred's results were great, but it's what's here. Yeah. It's not playwriting. Just keep it fresh somehow because you can't change the lines. Yeah. Maybe it even has more application 
the idea of being free and loose and improvisational in film. Because some British author just, I had a long talk with him on the phone the other day, he was writing a book about Pacino, and I did one movie with him mm -hmm. called People I Know. And I was so enthralled, the first scene we shot together, that I missed my cue because I'm watching Al Pacino, and he was, <laughs> he's so interesting. Yeah. Every take was different. See, Every not, single take was different. See, Let me do it once more, once more. And of course, he had more. The director was a first timer, a second timer, and they got along great. But uh -huh. he didn't want to. Any things that he had to say, he said privately. But he always gave variety yeah. to see what, what else is there. That's creative. The end, yes, that's it's contrived. It's yeah. put together yes. piece by piece, yeah. and that's what the director has to do to see the whole thing. Yes, what you're tying up there is that's where improvisation is important. In other words, he's not willing to say, this is the best one. Let me see how many different ways I could do this. That's right. right. And someone like Hitchcock, they say, was a one or two take guy because he yeah. told you exactly how he wanted yeah. it, what he wanted, yeah. you know. You directed uh, a real good one with Bert. What was that movie? It was called From Here to Paternity. It was written by Charlie Peters. Because Bert was at his heyday. Then. He was he was the biggest star in the world. Biggest star in the world. He was. Yeah. I went on a yacht with him, and he was with Sally Field at the time. And boat, an armada of boats in the Caribbean found out that it was Bert, and they surrounded us to the point where it was quite scary. You know, and Bert, he thought, no, they're not going to hit us. Bert, they're getting pretty close. Uh, don't keep on waving and turn to the other side. And I was, I thought, we're going to drown here around Bert Reynolds, and it'll be Bert Reynolds drowned along with, and we'll be, you know, less billing. Was such a yeah. terrific gentleman. Yes, and he was. Yeah, and then he was great on Carson. You know, he would go into, oh, yeah. yeah, and so he started doing Carson, and then he needed material, so I would, he and I would sit down, and I said, try that, you know, I would, wouldn't direct him, but I'd help him with the material, and he would kill as a comedy type, and then we had a company together, Reynolds Steinberg, and ironically, uh, Stan came in a very big agent at the time and made the deal for us. The deal was we had to do one special, and then we were given three guaranteed sitcoms on the air at that time in 1973 and 1974. So I did one sitcom, and I was working on the other. And then I said, Bert, we got to do a special. we got to do this special. I, he said, I'm not going to do a special. I said, no. The reason they're giving us all this money is because they want the special as well. The special I had, I thought, was a wonderful idea. It'll be a roast of Bert all women, no men, all women. So he sort of said, I'm going to do that. And then he got into a fight with someone at William Morris. And he said, I'm not going to do any of this. And so it fell apart. I knew him to be a pretty upstanding guy. I don't know. He had his gang, you know, uh, Bobby Burns, the cameraman. Yes. Hal Needham, who had broken 52 out of how many bones there are in the human body. <laughs> yeah, yes. We're in a skyscraper downtown. It's going to be one of these rappel tricks, you know. So he's looking over the edge of the building, and I'm next to him. And he goes, Robert, how'd you go about falling off this building? <laughs> um, I don't know. I uh, jumped clear. You know, he's, no, no. He just let it off easy like that. Yeah, well, I said, I'll keep that in mind next time. <laughs> Best stuntman in the world, actually. The first shot... We opened the shooting three weeks in Tuscaloosa. 
and blew up bridges and towns. These people had never seen anything like it. I mean, it drew crowds. Boy, look at that, you know. So, so uh, the first sh shot we have in the valley somewhere, and uh, he has a motorcyclist going under a moving 18-wheeler, mm -hmm. and he has to skid with leather thing underneath. Mm -hmm. So the kid does it, he gets up, and he's a little limp. He scolds him, terrible yes. job. Made him do it four or five times. Then the startling part was when I overheard the conversation. Come on, Hal, I need more than 500 for this. Yes. $500. That's $100 oh. a pop to go under a moving 18-wheeler. Wow. And Hal Needham, he was the stuntman stuntman. He was he, the stuntman. He, he, he knew how to choreograph everything. I've scene. seen a number yeah. of westerns yeah. where uh, suddenly an Indian comes into view about to leap on the stagecoach, yeah. and it's Hal. It's with, Hal. With, with yes. makeup on. Yeah, and Hal was beloved by everyone and then he directed Burt's movies and he didn't take pride in the critical response or care about it at all he bragged about how early he could get everyone home so so he said hey David I said I said how's it going Hal he said 1230 we're done and yeah. the movies looked like they were done at well, 12.30. Well, he, he, uh, Bert, Bert helped a lot, but he, all his movies made money. You know, Smokey yeah, and the Bandit. Bert, Bert and, made a fortune, and yeah. Bert was another version of Hal Needham. And Bert was the most generous person to everyone around him, myself included. And he had a great sense of humor, and just his quick, natural sense of humor. Uh, he calls me over during a, between shots of Hooper. He says, Sally is doing a new movie and there's a part for you that is so perfect. You've got to read for this. She comes in on a Saturday to 20th Century Fox, and the old director, Marty uh, Ritt, it was Norma Ray. Norma Ray, yeah. yeah. She's wonderful. And it was a great part for me. Ron Lieben did a great job with it, but mm -hmm. that was really putting yourself out, the both yeah. of them. Come yeah. It's yeah. a great part, yeah. you know, that kind yeah, of thing. Yeah, there's people that do that, that are, it's so important that uh, they, they're landmark moves for you, and they were there for it, and they it's come in. But you know, the truth is, Robert, is that I owe Bert so much, it's unbelievable, because he started my directing career by agreeing to do paternity, and I, I would never have been a director without that. It's I a nice owe, movie, David. Yeah. It really is. Yeah. I I, and he was wonderful. Beverly D'Angelo was in it. Beverly D'Angelo said that I gave her the best note of any director, and she'd worked with Martin Ritt and all this. And I said, what was it? He said, you said to me, don't fuck him until page 32. <laughs> <laughs> By page 22, they weren't talking already. So obviously she didn't listen to me. But uh, yeah, but so Robert, what's, what's left? What do you, what's your dream? Hamlet. <laughs> Could I direct it? Why not? It'll be funny. It'll make everyone older. Polonius yeah. will have to be 140. Okay, and, and, and a few Yiddish words, if you don't mind, right? Shakespeare right wouldn't care. Yeah. Right yeah. Our paths have crossed so deeply and so many times it's almost impossible to explain to everyone. But, but uh, I'm, I'm so happy to have you here. And you. I've admired you more than you knew because I probably didn't tell you. But thank you so much. Same, same goes for me and with you. And, uh, you know, one thing is you, me, and Willard, yeah. we all made a good living. We made a good living and we had a good time. We had a good time. I know.